Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning, and Holy Spirit, would you, in your mercy, give us revelation? God, would you help us to see the truth that we've heard before, but maybe it's never really registered. And so, Lord, we are limited in our effectiveness for you. We're restricted in our fulfillment. And Lord, it's just like life doesn't really deliver what we had hoped. Lord, I'm praying this morning that you will so speak by the Holy Spirit that many would have that moment of revelation that will change their lives forever. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Everyone said? Have you ever had an epiphany? Who knows what an epiphany is? No one. Okay, I'll explain it to you. An epiphany is when you suddenly see something. A striking realization or a revelation. Archimedes had one when he was in a bathtub. And he had a revelation about the floating objects. And he said, Eureka! jumped out of the bathtub and ran naked down the street. We do not want you to do that when you have your revelation, all right? Isaac Newton had another moment like that when he saw the apple fall from a tree, remember that? And uh, he suddenly had an understanding on gravity and things around that. But the word epiphany actually originated as a revelation from God. So when God, I guess when you got saved, that was an epiphany, like, yes, Jesus, you are the master, the savior of the world. I give my life to you. But we live from epiphany to epiphany in the sense of revelation, because otherwise all we're getting is a lot of head knowledge. Head knowledge will never change the way you live, but revelation will. And I'm praying as I preach today that many of you will have an epiphany, suddenly see the truth of what I am saying. Now, that won't be easy to do. It's going to take God to do it. Some of the stuff you'll hear, you're going to think, well, I'm not sure about that, and you'll wrestle with your mind, because I'm going to push the boundaries of what I share this morning. I've never kind of, well, I've sort of heard some of this preached, but I'm probably taking it to another place. Through church history, there's been some very unfortunate concepts that have been preached by people like me that have really derailed Christians and limited their effectiveness in God and kept them to a place of often frustration. Here's two of them. The first one is there are two categories of people in the church. That's the first wrong concept. There's clergy. It's people like me, in the pulpit, anointed, full of the Spirit, full-time minister. I'm clergy. And then there's the rest of you, the laity, that are kind of like didn't quite make the grade, but you're okay. But you're not as anointed as me or powerful as me because I'm, I'm a full-time minister. So clergy and laity, do you know that neither of those words are found in the Bible? The Bible never made a distinction between the platform and the pew, never. We've created that. And that has done a lot of damage to the church of Jesus Christ all around the world because we actually see, and many of you see clergy like me as superior 
than the person sitting next to you, more anointed. It's a wrong concept, friends. The second one is this, is that marketplace, home, community ministers are not as spiritual as church ministers. In other words, church work, what I do, that's really spiritual. That's, that's the God work. That's the anointed work. And that's a powerful work that's going to change things. But everything else, as a mum in the home or in the workplace tomorrow, well, that's really not spiritual work. Or not as spiritual as what I do. I wonder how many of you would see what you do tomorrow as spiritual as what I'm doing right now, preaching. Mm-hmm. I know the answer to that. That's why you need an epiphany. You need a revelation. You need to see what God, what you do is actually spiritual. So what happens then is people go to work and they think, well, I don't really have to be spiritual to do a good job because it's not spiritual work. It's just secular work. And so you don't pray. You don't seek God. You don't fast. You don't cry out for the anointing of the Spirit. You just do your job. And the result of that, friends, has been to immobilize large portions of the body of Christ and of the church. Because what happens is people don't see their role as that important. And if you don't see your role as important, as you don't see it as spiritual, you don't see it as ministry, you're not going to put your best effort into it. You're going to wait for the day when you can song lead or when you can lead a life group or you can share a testimony. You're going to wait for those moments when you do real ministry. Anyone know what I'm talking about? About five of us. Okay, I've got a lot of work to do this morning. All right. So if you see pastors as more important and of higher value than those sitting in the pew, you are sadly mistaken. That is error and it is deception. And it immobilizes you or causes you to live in frustration because you're not one of the anointed ministers of the gospel. Friends, we are all important. You are important. I am important. We're all important. We just got different roles, different responsibilities. So what I'm hoping to do in this message today is fulfill Ezekiel 37 and verse 1 to 4 and then verse 10, which reads this way. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley that was full of bones, people. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Tark, son of man, can these bones live? Tark, can these People function at the level of my spirit and anointing that I've ordained for them. Can they function to their full potential in God? Can they rise up and be a part of my mobilized army of God? Can these bones really and truly live? Can they or can they not? And the answers, oh Lord, you know. Again, he said to me, here's the solution. Prophesy to these bones is what I'm praying is happening today as I speak and as we get into tonight. And say to them, oh, dry bones. Now, I'm not saying you're dry. I'm just saying you may well be functioning below your full potential. 
Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Let's go to verse 10. You see what happens. Verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood to their feet, an exceedingly great army. Here's a question I want to ask you this morning. Do you see yourself as a vital player in God's exceeding great army? If you don't, you've never had the epiphany. If you're waiting for something else to happen somewhere along the line, you're missing the boat because that something else may never happen. Where you are right now is what has happened. And where you are right now is where you need to begin to function in all the fullness of what God has got for you. And so, one of the great truths that I'm getting at today, well, we're going to come back to tonight. Let me just say, in the service tonight, I'm going to share two very significant prophecies that I've had recently, only in a matter of the last month or so. And what the prophecies say, and I'll expand a little bit more tonight, is that God is placing or has placed upon me now an anointing to mobilize God's end time army. In other words, to mobilize the church of Jesus Christ, put people in place and rank and position and be a powerful force that's going to see rapid kingdom advance in our community, the nation and the nations of the world. So I believe that tonight we're going to take a significant step forward as a church into fulfilling the destiny that God has for this place. See, one of the great truths I'm passionate, increasingly passionate about seeing restored is the fact that we are all full-time ministers of the gospel. You've heard Wayne Cadero say it. You've heard others say it. But I'm saying it to you again today. And as full-time ministers, we serve God in the church. We serve Him in the community. serve Him in the home. We serve Him in the workplace. And you know, one of the truths that is that I read something years ago that I've never got out of my mind. And that was a vision that uh, Rick Joyner had of, um, in, in heaven, and he was allowed to go to the throne room of God. And he saw seated those who were closest to Jesus. See, there's levels in heaven, and you get closer depending on how you lived here. And he said, yeah, the apostles were there. He said there were some wealthy businessmen there. But he said the thing that surprised him, those closest to Jesus, was how many praying mothers were seated there. You know why I've never forgotten that, friends? Because God sees ministry different to we do. God puts value different to where we put value. And one of the things he values more than anything else is the, the full-time calling to be a mother and to raise up the next generation for Jesus Christ. I thought at least the mothers might clap on that one, but anyway, let it go. <laughs> Seriously, I watch my daughter, I watch Jody. I tell you, her job as a full-time ministry as a mother is more demanding than mine. I get to sleep at night. She has to work through the night looking after these kids and ministering to them. And Well, that's her ministry. It's a very demanding job. So, you know, it's, there'll be great rewards as a result of that. But friends, if you don't see it, you are a frustrated mother. Oh, just got to look after kids now. See, this is what, if we don't get these truths, friends, we live in frustration outside of what God has for us. So I'm praying that you're going to have an epiphany today, an aha moment, an aha moment where you boldly declare, when someone says, what do you do? You say, I'm a full-time minister for Jesus. 
And so when you're traveling overseas, next time you're going, you're filling in the immigration form and it says occupation. When you start writing full-time minute, you've got the epiphany. You've got it. Until then, you haven't actually seen it. Because what do I put every time I put? Minister. Every time. But that's also, you can, I mean, obviously you can do it in another way as well, but it is the truth of what it is. See, until this happens, friends, until we all see ourselves as full-time ministers, I believe the progress of the church will be severely limited. Do you know why? Because all the work will be left to the 1% paid staff, while the other 99% are under-mobilized and under-utilized. We will never get the job done. But if we can, see, I always think we don't need more Christians to reach our nation or the nations. We just need to mobilize the ones we have already got, and we can get the job done. <clears throat> you might say, Pastor, you better give me a few more scriptures on this. I'm really glad you asked that. Because come with me to 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. If you're still in doubt and thinking, no, no, I don't believe this stuff. 2 Timothy 1 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to your works. Who has saved us, that's you, and called you with a holy calling. Did you know you have a Holy, anointed, powerful, heaven-sent calling from God? Did you know that? Hey, that's the scripture. That's what it says. That's what you have. You know, one of the things I, I, I really don't like hearing, when I hear people say, oh, you know, he's got a strong call from God. No, friends, we've all got a strong call from God. Or, or other people say, look, look you know, I, I, the hand of God is really upon that person. No, friends, the hand of God is upon all of us. We are all called to serve God full time. When you see it, it's going to change you. So today what I'm wanting to do is this, is to empower you by acknowledging your call to full-time ministry. This is what's going to happen. Listen carefully. When you do that tomorrow, today, wherever you are, you see what you're doing as full-time ministry, you are suddenly going to position yourself for greater anointing, ability, and success than you are experiencing right now. You know how that works? Let me, say, let me explain it this way. You see, for me, I'm called to be a pastor. That's my aspect of a full-time minister. Yours might be as a teacher or a, or a accountant or a lawyer, whatever it might be. Mine happens to be as a pastor. So what do I do? I recognize, oh, God, this is full-time ministry, just like yours is. So I say, God, you've got to help me. God, you've got to anoint me. You've got to empower me. God, I can't do this. I'm actually not very good at this. God, I've got my training and background, but if I'm going to do well, God, I really need you. How I pray, I fast, I seek God. And so God hears my cry. He anoints me. What happens, friends? I excel way beyond my natural ability. You got that? So let's take that to you now. When you go to work tomorrow, say you're a teacher and you cry out to God and say, God, this is my full-time ministry. Really, God, I, I, I can do a lot better. I'm not really that good. God, I cry out to you. Will you help me? Will you anoint me? Will you empower me? Will you throw through me? Will you let wisdom come through my lips? God will hear you crying. Guess what? You'll be a far better teacher than you are naturally capable of being because now you've engaged the anointing of God upon your life and upon your ministry and your service for God. But friends, if you never see it, you're never going to position yourself and you will never accomplish to the level that God has got for you. You see, I believe one of Satan's greatest traps is this. He wants to stop people, he wants to stop people from seeing that they are full-time ministers. 
because that will then hinder them enjoying the success that God has for them. And you know what's going to happen then? They will forever function below the level of their ability. And result of that, frustration. Never fulfilled. Always thinking one day something may be somewhere. And so, so many Christians I talk to are frustrated. And I believe what I'm saying to you is one of the reasons because we're not doing what we're called to do. But once you get this epiphany and you see you're a full-time minister of Jesus Christ, you begin to cry and pray and seek God, you're going to begin to excel way beyond your natural ability. Then you'll start to be fulfilled. Then you'll start to be satisfied. See, over the years, we've ordained people, haven't we, to ministry? We remember we had Brendan a while ago and Helen. We brought them to the front later. And we said, God, anoint them and power them. We set them apart for ministry, and God anoints them, and they do really well. Well, tonight, whoever wants it, we're going to bring you to the front. We're going to lay hands on you, and we're going to set you apart for your full-time ministry as a, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as when we do that, friends, we're going to believe a fresh mantling of God is going to come upon your life. If you get the epiphany, when you wake up tomorrow, you will feel different. You will think different. You will see things differently. And I trust some of the frustration will also be taken out of your heart and out of your life. So that's what we're going to, if, you, if you're in for that, join us. See, we serve God everywhere. We serve Him in the church full-time. We serve Him at home full-time. We serve Him in the community, serve Him at work, wherever it is. And, you know, it is important to find your place in the church. You know, we do need help and things that we do. I love that testimony you had a while ago about a doctor in our church, and he felt God had called him. Part of his full-time ministry was to serve in the car park. You see, friends, serving in the car park is not less important than what I do. It's all important in God's eyes. And I think when, when we stand before God, he's gonna, the first will be last, and the last will be first. So when we see that, friends, it changes everything. When people ask me in years to come, after today, this pastors love to do this, a bit of an ego trip, how many full-time ministers do you have in your church? I'm going to say, well, actually, we have got thousands. They're going to say, what? Really? They're going to say, well, how big is your church? You've got thousands of ministers. I said, well, you do the maths. We've got a thousand of full-time ministers. You can decide how big the church is. I'm not going to tell them. I'll beat the whole lot of them. I say, how many have you got? And they say, five. I say, sad, man. <laughs> you're not going to get much done. You're going to be very, not going to be very successful, and that's actually the truth. They've only got five. They're not going to get much done. They'll never impact their community. Hey, but we're going to have thousands. We will shake Auckland for Jesus. We will move in this nation. We will make a difference. been a prophetic word over Church Unlimited that we're to be a model. Do you know where I'd love us to really be our greatest model in what I'm talking about now? Model to our nation that we have a church of thousands of full-time ministers out there, anointed, empowered, doing the mighty works of God. In the workplace, in the home. See, I want to value. I want you to feel valued. You see, you've got to see what you do is important. If you don't see it as important, if you don't see it as ministry, you'll never engage God as much as you need to. Just imagine what you'd be like at work tomorrow if you really engaged God. 
and say, God, anoint me with your spirit as a full-time minister in the workplace tomorrow. I tell you, friends, something is going to happen. Something is going to <coughs> change. Remember the lady in our church? She had this testimony how she got a phone call. Someone was sick in hospital on an oxygen mask. And so her first thought was, I must get Pastor Umish to go and pray for him. And then she remembered. She said, no, no, no. I think she remembered what Wayne Cordero said, that we're all full-time ministers. I thought to myself, hold on a minute. I've been preaching that for years. How come it's when Wayne Cordero says that you listen? And I, I did all the hard work, and now you give him the credit. Don't do that. That's why I wouldn't let you clap before. Anyway, she... So she's starting to see it. So, she said, so the Lord said to her, no, you're a full-time minister. So she, off she went. She said, yeah, I am. Off she went. She went to the room, hospital room. There was all these Hindus surrounding the bed. She went in there. She prayed in front of all of them. I don't know, with laying on her hands, how it was. They really wanted the prayer that answered for the um, oxygen mask to come off. And she heard shortly afterwards that the oxygen mask had been removed. She's getting the epiphany that she's a full-time minister of Jesus Christ. And so are you, so are all of us. Wherever God has placed you, claim his anointing to increase in a far greater measure and expect to excel beyond your natural abilities. How many of you would love to excel beyond your ability? You know, look, hey, look, it's, it started with me. If you want to see me as kind of at the model at the front, God has, he's used me way beyond my natural ability, way beyond. You just have to know me more Way beyond. Why? Because I've engaged him in my full-time ministry. But you can do the same. And God will anoint you and God will flow through you as well. Now, one aspect of your full-time ministry is your vocation or your, what you do in the workplace. And that comes from the Latin word for voice. So vocation is a voice I hear calling me. So it's not a matter of just any job. You've got to hear God's voice. What's he calling you to do? What's he inviting you? What's he asking you to do? That's your vocation. You just don't go any, many, money, mo, I'll do this or do that or the other thing. And if we reject the voice of vocation, we'll never feel fulfilled. The word appointment, disappointment comes from the word apart from your appointment. Apart from your appointment. And so that's what happens. You see, one of your, part of your appointment is you're called to full-time ministry. And if you don't accept that and believe that, then you'll be disappointed. It won't happen for you. And I think that's what's happened right across the church. People are apart from their appointment. They've never recognized that what they do is a full-time calling from God. And so they live forever disappointed. And I want to try and break that shackle of Satan off people as best I can today and value what you do and recognize your calling in God. So as you see yourself as a full-time minister, you can believe God for four things. The first one is this, believe him for promotion. Let's go to Genesis chapter 30, 39. We'll go to 39, and this is Joseph, all right? Remember, Joseph's not working in a church. He's just working for a heathen boss. He's out there in the marketplace. Watch what happens. Verse two, Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph. Really? And he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Can you see what's happening here? See, Joseph realized he was a full-time minister. He cried out to God. God was with him. God made him incredibly successful. And Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house. Promotion. Promotion. 
I want you to start believing God to promote you in your workplace. How many of you would like to be promoted? Yep, about six of us. That's good. The rest of you can be demoted. <laughs> Some of us have grabbed hold of the promotion, promoted. And, uh, you know, we, we can believe for that. And it says in Psalm 75, verse 6, promotion comes not from the east or the west or the south. It comes from God. One of the greatest epiphanies you can ever have is to know promotion comes from God. If you don't see that, you'll forever look at other people to promote you. Look at your boss to promote you. Look at your employer to promote you. You look at some leader to promote you, friends. And guess what? That will cause so much disappointment in your heart, so much angst, because you're going to feel that people overlook you. No, friends, I learned this early in my ministry. God alone promotes, not man. It's a work of God. <clears throat> Never blame anyone else if you don't feel promoted wherever God has placed you. Own it for yourself. God alone promotes people. So the second thing I want you to do is to believe for salary increase and financial blessing. Let's go to Genesis. How many of you would like a salary increase? Oh, a lot more hands gone up here. You don't want the promotion, but you want the salary increase. Okay, that's interesting, isn't it? Usually they go hand in hand, but there we go. Genesis 13, 13, 13 verse 2. And we're looking now at Abraham, the father of our faith. Genesis 13 and verse 2. It says this, Abraham was very rich. Everyone say, very rich. very rich. Oh, that's about as good a response as I get on anything. Very rich in silver and in gold. Wow. Wow. Well, the blessing of Abraham is actually for you as well. It says in Galatians 3.14 that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Friends, don't be ashamed of believing God for financial blessing, prosperity, for salary increase, for bonuses or whatever. Believe for God for it. Abraham is the father of our faith. He's our model. He's the example. And we are invited by Scripture to... Enjoy the blessings of Abraham. Remember, Abraham was probably just looked after livestock, bit of a farmer, really, anointed of God, visions, dreams, revelations. Wow, prosperity, wonderful. I remember a while ago, went to a church and preached this kind of stuff. We prayed for people, anointed them to ministry. And one lady came up to me. I went back to that church six months later. She came up to me and said, Pastor, you came last time and, and prayed for me, prayed for us. She said, we sell boats. So we hadn't been, managed to be selling. We sold no boats. We were just no sale. We had no orders. She said, since you, since you prayed, within a few months, she said, we have now sold nine boats valued at $150,000 each. And I said, where's my 10%? <laughs> God wants to bless us. God also wants to increase your anointing and skill. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. If you can find Daniel, he's so good. In verse 17 and 20. Daniel 1, 17 and 20. It says, as for these four men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. See, God gave them the skill, knowledge. Then what happens? Verse 20. And all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten 
times better than all the magicians. Hey, look, if God is with you, surely you've got to do better than you would in your natural self, beyond your natural abilities. Hopefully 10 times better than many of the people around you. If you will start to believe you're in full-time ministry, if you'll start to engage God and His anointing with you and say, God, help me, anoint me, flow through me. If you'll pray, if you'll fast, if you'll do this three-day fast to get closer to God, those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. But friends, if you never see it, and this is my message for you today, you will function way below God's ideal desire, will, and plan for you. I had an architect, another church, did the same thing, prayed for these people, laid hands on them for their ministry. He said that at that stage he had no contracts and normally he'd get one a month. Went back, he told me after we prayed, he said the next day he got three contracts. You see, friends, he began to see what he was doing as ministry from heaven. Engage God. God caused him to excel in what he was doing. I want to just share one last thought with you about your full-time ministry. So fasten your safety belts. We're going into overdrive now. Are you ready for this? Okay. Lock the doors, ushers. No one is to leave until I have finished what I'm about to say. I've never preached this before, not quite this way. But I'm going to today because I feel passionately about it. A lot of people want to preach. And they say preaching, they see preaching. Ah, that's ministry. What pastor talks about, look how God uses him. That's ministry. Or they see it as a key aspect to anyone called to full-time ministry. And the friends, the truth is this, and you need an epiphany for this. The truth is we are all preachers. Tell the person next to you, you're a preacher. Uh-huh. St. Francis of Assisi put it this way, didn't he? He said, by all, he said, preach the gospel at all times. That's for all of you. If necessary, when necessary, use words. So most of the time, you don't need words. It's just your life, you see. You are your message. It's not what you say. It's who you are. And if people don't like what you are, they won't listen to what you say. We are preachers. We're all preachers. And, and God wants to increase His anointing on you to make you one of the most powerful preachers in this nation. You can do that as much as I can because it's not what you say from a pulpit or a small group. It's who you are and the lifestyle that you live. See, I hear some people say, oh, they really want to preach. And I think, you know, I've never understood that. And it bothers me because it's like they're saying, hey, you, people need to hear what I've got to say. I think, Really? No, they don't. They just need to see your lifestyle. That's the way they can hear what you've got to say. It's not what you say here. It's what you say when you're not here. You see, the truth is this, friends. We are all preachers. And we preach all the time, 24-7. None of us needs pulpit time anymore. We've got too much. I said, God, deliver me from more pulpit time because I'm struggling to preach well 24-7. You see, friends, this is the easy bit, 30 minutes on a Sunday. Look, anyone can do that. I can bluff the lot of you. <laughs> Seriously, you know, oh, great preaching. No, no, friends, that's the easy part. What matters is how I preach when I step out of here, get down there among you, at home, in the workplace, in the community. That's my real preaching. And I'll tell you the truth, some of that preaching of mine is not very good. Ask my wife. 
She said, Tark, I don't think you should be in the pulpit tomorrow. You have not preached very well the last week in the home. You see, because that's where the real rubber meets the road. You know, one of the best preachers I know in this church is my daughter, Jody. Why? Because 24-7, she's kind. She's loving. She cares for people. She's compassionate. Sends people cards, writes them notes. Her preaching is, one day I pray I can preach like her. And now it's, in my opinion, I'm a bit biased, of course, but an outstanding messenger of the gospel. That's who I want in this pulpit. Because it's not what you say that you impart. It's who you are. Who you are. That's what gets imparted, friends. And that's why we're all preachers. And we need to work on our preaching all the time. You, you, you know, if you get a chance here, maybe work on that. But more than it, work on your preaching all the time. You see, friends... I'll let you in on a bit of a secret. We get guest speakers come to this church. Lots of them come. Some of them get up here and preach a great word. But when they get off this pulpit and walk down there, their preaching's not very good. Do you know what I'm talking about? Guess what? They never get invited back into this pulpit. Do you know why? Because all they'll impart to you, my flock, that I love, is who they are. And if who they are is not what I want you to be, you know, why would I put them in there? That would be so dumb. Anyone with me on this? Yeah. So we want people in here who love God, love people who, who, you know, who are doing their very best to be Christ-like. Then they'll impart that, and you'll become like them to a certain measure. See, if the church of Jesus Christ had a greater emphasis on the fact that we're all preachers, preaching all the time, I, believe, I reckon we'd do a lot better in reaching our lost world. You say, why do you say that? Think about this. It's not really the preaching on Sunday that gets people to church. I'll tell you what gets people to church is how you and I, all of us, it's how we preach between Sunday and the next Sunday. It's how much we love people and care for them. And people say, oh, what is it about you? You're so nice. You know, you know what, what is that church that you go to? Can I come along and see what's made you such a wonderful person? Let me go a step further. Why do people leave churches? Not because they shift. I mean, shift is a different thing. Why do they just leave churches? I'll tell you why. Because somebody, me, you, one of us, during the week did not preach very well. They thought, ah, not very nice up at that church. I'm gone. The key to growing this church, if you want this church to explode, if we all became fantastic preachers Sunday to Sunday, they would smash down those doors to get into this place and say, what is it that's happening in there that's making you such a loving, kind, caring, compassionate person? We're all called to preach the gospel. We're all full-time ministers. You are, I am. And there is tremendous anointing available to every one of us to do far better than we are doing today. You position yourself for God's blessing in a greater measure when you begin to acknowledge you are a full-time minister for Jesus Christ. It's time to mobilize 
God's army. It's time to prophesy to the dry bones and to raise up an exceedingly great army that will bring revival, transformation to your home, your workplace, the community, our city, our nation, and the nations of the world. Prophesy to the dry bones and see an exceeding great army rise up for the glory of God. Amen?